Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and I am really happy to see you here. I am excited I get to bring back Steve Gamlin. And Steve, when were you here, Steve? A couple of months ago? Something like that? Yeah, it was about two months ago, I believe, yeah. Yeah, and we... Steve is a motivational speaker. He's, you know what, I'm not going to even do this because he knows what he does better than I do. And... I just experienced what I call a pebcac, and we were talking about that in the, the green room, and I just lost my show notes there somewhere, but Steve, I'm going to have to have you introduce yourself, and just so everybody is saying, what the heck is she saying? What is a pebcac? It is. Problem exists between chair and keyboard, and I am in the middle of one. So, Steve, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I just, some days you just wake up and go, what the heck am I doing? Oh, well, you know, I can do this. I can do this. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> Today's a pebcat. So, Steve, introduce yourself really quickly while I go find my show notes. You got it. Well, you already let one little word out, which is motivation. My name is Steve Gamblin, known as the Motivational Firewood Guy. I'm a speaker, author, and vision board coach and trainer. Uh, most of what I talk about is motivation, inspiration, education, and visualization, and just helping people to see their goals and then build a strategy to get there. And that's, that's a nice big sentence that describes exactly what I love doing most on this planet. Exactly. And the last time you were here, we talked about the secret vision board mastery. If you can see it, you give yourself more options and opportunities. And that is so true. We talked about the power of visualization and the importance of action. And honestly, I think so many people, me included, will get an idea. It's perfect. It's timely. It needs to be out there. And then we get busy. We don't take action. So we talked about yeah. that. So I would recommend strongly that people go find that that show and listen to it and then, you know, come back and listen to this one as well. So, Steve, thank you for doing my job. I really appreciate it. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> now you know what a pebcac is. So, now I know what a yeah. pebcac is. I yeah. got to be part of an actual pebcac. I mean, you did. You're, you're, it's going to go in my gratitude journal tomorrow. Got to be part of a pebcac. Oh, gosh. Well, it's P-E-B. <laughs> C-A-K, just if anybody wants to know what the heck is. And I'm not sure I didn't make it up back in the day. I am a techie nerd, so, you know, I like things like that. So, anyway, what are we talking about today? Because I wanted you to come back because we had so much to talk about the last time. I said, we're not going to make it. You've got to come back. And I have been in the middle of taking your course, which we'll talk about towards the end, you know, the visual visualization course, because, you know, I – I had a kind of a, I wouldn't say it was a problem with vision boards. I never really bought into them all that much. I always had them in my head. I always knew what I wanted to do in my head. But like anything else, your head gets a headache, and you're like, oh, what was I thinking about? Where did it go? So if you have a bit vision board, if you have something in writing or in front of you, 
it's just easier to remember. So let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, one of the stories that actually came up recently, I was speaking with a coaching client, and it was somebody relatively new to working with me, and they said, well, I want more money. And I just started to laugh, and I said, okay, here's a little picture for you. You need to be very specific with what you'd like to have, who you'd like to become, and where you'd like to be in life. You know, don't just be one of those people that says, I'd like more or better. And, and the reason I laughed when I said that is I had just seen a gift on Facebook that day of a person walking head down, staring at the phone, who fell into a fountain uh, in a, like a city square. And I said, now, see, that's a person who may have said, I want more money. And then what they did was they put their head down, they stared at their phone, they kept walking, they tripped, they fell into a fountain that had a whole bunch of quarters, nickels, and dimes in it. Congratulations, you just you have more money now than you had before. So when people have a goal, hope, a dream, a desired outcome, I ask them questions and work with them to start to really define it and dial it in so that you don't just stumble upon it. You, you can actually pay attention using your senses, keep your head on a swivel, your eyes open, your ears open, your brain open for opportunities to get there and not just wind up tumbling into something, but actually taking steps on purpose to hit what it is you're looking for. And I know it sounds woo-woo and mystical and magical to a lot of people. I tell you what, it is scientific out there. And you can look up the research on law of attraction and all these things. Too many people, and I, I say this about The Secret, they made it look a little too woo-woo in the DVD version of The Secret because they hired a genie and a magic lamp <laughs> for people to say. Right. Keep your yeah, eyes on I've the watched prize. that movie, and a lot of it I went, oh, okay, you know, some of this I already knew instinctively. And some of it, and, you know, we're talking about vision boards, John Asaras was where I kind of learned that, but Asaras, but... There was a lot of it that I just went, I don't know about that. It didn't quite, I don't know, hit me between the shoulder blades. But a lot of it, I said, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and see, you come from a tech background, so it's, it's data. It's prove research. it to me. It's, yeah, it's you have to prove it to exactly, me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the research is out there. I, I think in some places there, and John Astroff is also my biggest inspiration, out of the 98 minutes, the three he spoke about vision boards, is what grabbed me and got me to follow this path. But the rest of it, it had a little too much of a Hollywood woo-woo, rah-rah sheen to some of it. But I just took that three minutes, and I built an entire career out of it. So, you know, do your research, find what works and resonates for you, and then put your head down, get a sprinter, and do the work. And here we are today in our second episode together. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is we don't take action because we're busy. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason. You know, for my pepcac, I was thinking about the taco soup that I need to get going as soon as we're done here. I guess that's what I was thinking. But, but here's <laughs> Who knows? I mean, our brains can get very, very fuzzy is my point. And if you don't sit down and visualize it, dream it. And I do a lot of dreaming, a lot. I dream, you know, when I'm sleeping, I never, ever rest. I don't really sleep all that well. But even when I'm sleeping, I'm doing something. I'm building. I'm going somewhere. I'm, you know, lucid dream. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I can wake up quite exhausted. 
but I'm never not thinking or dreaming or you know creating goals. My problem, however, has been, and I know this, is that I don't always take action on them because there's so darn many of them. So I guess what I'm looking for is a way to distill it down and say, where are your priorities, Denise? What's the most important thing? Is it, you know, I mean, there's got to be three or four things that you have to take care of every day, right? Your health, your mental health, your family, feeding the cats. That's important. But, you know, there are other things that you need to also get in there as priorities. And how do we do that? Will, will a vision board help with that? The way that I teach it, and actually you just, when you said four things, you've nailed half of it right there. I do a lot of work with a life wheel, which is a pretty common personal development tool. If you Google life wheel, you'll see a lot of different examples out there. And it includes, and think of it like a wagon wheel. These are all the spokes or the pies, basically. It's your career, your finances, your physical health, your emotional well-being, your relationships, your connection with the real world in a real way, your ethics, morals, and values, your spirituality, and also on the outside of it, material things. And when you understand that all of these things are tied in together, you know, some people set a goal like, I want to make this much money this year. Okay, but what are you going to do? I'm going to work 100 hours a week for the whole year and make a bunch of money. Great. Are you going to sleep enough? Are you going to take time to be happy? Are you going to eat well? Are you going to exercise? Are you going to devote a certain amount of time and attention to your relationship to keep it healthy? Are you actually going to see and speak with other people and have an actual connection with the world? Are you going to do it in such a way that you're going to compromise your values, integrity, and morals just to get money? I mean, all of these things work together. And that's why when I do a board, people say, should I do a board for each thing? My recommendation, and that's all I can say, it's my recommendation. It's what works for me is it's one picture encompassing at least one goal for each category of your life. As a reminder, this is important because if I do this well, it's going to enable me to do this part of my life better. It's going to fuel me up. It's going to fire me up. It's going to keep me connected. It's going to keep me on track to not just go after this one thing at the expense of everything else. Okay, and and that does make sense, but... Look, you you nailed me. I'm a nerd. I'm a techie nerd. I have bullet points. My whole life is bullet points. I schedule everything. You know what I do? I over-schedule myself because bullet points are fun. You can just keep on going. What I've had to do is train myself to have three or four bullet points and no more. Everything else is a subcategory. If I don't understand instantly what's going to be a subcategory under that bullet point, then I'm not doing my job. So that's been a bit of training for me. But I like the idea of a, a life wheel. I hadn't even thought about that. And I used to die from the pile of little sticky notes and bullet points all over my desks. And because mm-hmm. I have two desks, I have one that's like an L shape. And whichever side I'm working on, they all get pushed to the other side. Well, one of my, my coaches and mentors, a guy named Chris Whitehead, said, Brother, he goes, don't just write to a to do list. He said, go, and it's a free tool. Go set up a Google calendar and schedule your time. Yep. And he says, I, he goes, I won't even text my wife during the day if it's not on the schedule because I'm so busy and I'm so driven and so locked to my schedule. He said, I used to write 100 things to do, but I wouldn't account for the time it would take to do each one. He said, now I go actually schedule a time and then understand maybe I can only get the six things for the entire day. But that's okay because I know those six will get, if not done, 
actual progress. And we're not just trying to keep a bunch of plates spinning, like the old variety shows. They would have a guy spinning plates. He's got 30 of them spinning. Great. None of them are getting anywhere. He's just busy. Right. I get tired of being like that. I used to be like that, too. Yeah, busy will just wear you out. You know what? And I do use a Google Calendar. It's like my little god. It has to keep me on track. But you know what I've done over time? And I got away from it for a while, and then I went, what happened? Why did you stop doing that? My calendar will pop up and say, okay, you've got 30 minutes to do this or 60 minutes or whatever it is. And I will open that. And it's going to be the same thing every day, but I will open it just to keep myself pointing at it, if you will. And I will sit and look at whatever the title is, whatever the task is. And I will look at my calendar, look at the calendar. Then I look at my clock down in my system tray. And I say, okay. And I take a breath. And then I focus. You are going to, you know, and I talk with myself, Denise, okay, you've got 60 minutes to do this. Focus on this and nothing but this. And I'll tell you what, I'm often maybe five or six minutes either way. You know, I'm either five or six minutes fast or five or six minutes late, but I got it done within that 60 minutes because I've made the decision to sit down and focus. Mm. And that's, and that's huge. And some people look decision. at that and say, oh, that's silly or it's childish. It is a decision. I say this to all my clients. Do what works for you. I have the Google Calendar. Right. I also have a $10 digital kitchen timer sitting on my desk, and when I have a half hour to do something, I set it for a half hour, and if my phone beeps or vibrates or buzzes or I get a, an alert on my computer, I look at the kitchen clock and I go, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I have to do this because I'm a super fast-paced, creative, high-energy, also consumes five-hour energy, one little tiny bottle per day, I've got to stay focused. And if it takes a Google Calendar with a subsection of a digital kitchen timer, that's what it takes because I'm seeing the results of working that way. And if you just kind of keep skating from one thing to another, we all talk about this when you're multitasking, it's not good for you. It's not good for your brain. It's not good for your heart. I mean, I catch myself just going, oh, my gosh, you know, 40 minutes down the road of my 60-minute task, nothing got done because I think, oh, I have to go do this. or Oh, you know, I, I forgot to email so-and-so. Oh, geez. And that's just hamster on the wheel. It's not good for you, so stick with it. Focus. Yeah. Focus yeah. is critical. And I've learned that to my, you know, it's the only way I can stay healthy. And, you know, get up, oh, and this is something else I do. In between the 60 and 30-minute segments, I will get up. I have to, I'm like a yo-yo. I have to get up, leave my office, go outside, you know, talk to the dog, walk the dog, whatever, do a load of laundry. I have to get up and move around just to move, you know, just to breathe, just to get some motion going. Then when I come back, I can refocus. But you can't just stay at it. It's not healthy. No, that's super important. There will be times in the middle of the day I'll just – I'll ask my wife, hey, did UPS or FedEx come today because I, I need a reason to go outside? <laughs> or I'll go check the mailbox. Or if I see the dog across the street barking, uh, I'll just go outside and call out to him and, and just go laugh for a minute or just go walk around. We've got um, – we just had a, a mama and dad, Robin, have three babies in a nest that they made on the back of our house on the, the top of a vent. And they flew away last week, so I took the nest down the other day. And two days later, my wife says, hey, there's a new robin family coming in. They're making a whole brand-new nest. 
So I go outside some days and sit on the porch and I just watch them building this nest for 10 minutes. Exactly. And I always get back to my chair different whenever I come back. That's exactly right. And I used to make the mistake because, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm a high achiever. I want things done. And I would just go and go and go and go. And then I realized my back hurt or my head hurt or I wasn't drinking enough water. And I did this for way too long and I realized that I was actually physically hurting myself. Got a lot of work done, Mm. but I was physically hurting myself. Yeah, and I, I talk about the same thing, and I, I always describe myself as a machine when I'm like that. I just keep going and going and going, and eventually you turn around and you go, hey, where's that smoke coming from? <laughs> There's something wrong with the yeah. machine. So, uh-oh, what's that clanging noise? Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> no, and I, I still have those days where I am so on fire. I built a website recently. It took me five days, which is kind of unheard. 30-page website. It's a killer Jeez. site. Five days, I didn't budge. I mean, I, I mean, I got up and I, you know, took care of the pets and I took care of myself. But I was so focused. Eleven o'clock at night, midnight, and I would still be going. I'd rest a bit. Three o'clock, I'd be back in it. When that five days was over, I was like, oh wow. Okay, go take a nap. And that nap lasted about two days. It was awful. <laughs> I couldn't budge. My brain was tired. My eyes were tired. My everything, my hair hurt. It was just not good. Oh, I understand. I understand because, and then we justify it because we say, oh, I was in the zone. I was this, I was this. Well, you're not maintaining. And then you do five days on. Then you have two days where you can't do anything and the machine is broken. Yeah. And I got behind. So it, you know, will I do it again? Yeah. I really enjoy building that website, but, you know, I try not to do it every single day. So I did find my my notes of what we wanted to talk about today. Excuse me, I need to cough. Very raspy today. Was the power of visualization. And you said you have stats from um, a TD bank of, bank study. Oh, TD bank study of entrepreneurs and individuals. And then you were going to share some case studies of some of your clients. Yes. And I will actually let me pull those notes back up here because I knew that was going to be what we were talking about today. Um, so if you like, what I can start with is a couple of the case studies of some clients of mine. Oh, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, my favorite story to tell is a woman who is now known as Giraffrica Jen. And her name is Jeffer. She's part of one of my biggest vision board clients. I've now been working with this company for 13 years. They are in the direct selling world. And I get invited to their headquarters every January for a live event that gets broadcast to their 400 plus representatives across the country. One of Jen's goals for about a decade has been to go on a safari in Africa. And she wasn't quite sure of how to proceed toward it. So I took her on as a one-on-one client. So what we did was, first off, I said, okay, how much is it going to cost? She says, well, I don't know. Call the travel agent. So she did, and she got the price. It's going to be about $10,000. So I asked her, in addition to being able to pay your bills and cover yourself, how long do you feel it will take to get there to $10,000? Safe. She says, two years. Great. Uh I went and found, because tracking your goals is very important. So I went and found a children's coloring book that had a picture of a giraffe. And it had 12 spots on it. So I put 500, 500, 500 in 10 of those spots 
and then her name and her partner Mikey's name in the other two spots. So every time she earned a, uh, $500, she would color in a spot on the giraffe. She did this oh. for two years. And people say it's a I coloring like book. That. I said, yeah, but it's, she it's visual. It with you all of her clients, it. too. Yeah, yeah. She had one for 2018, one for 2019. And every Friday, she did a Facebook Live for all of her client base and everybody in her Facebook community. And she did a Giraffrica update. Now, we called it Giraffrica because Giraffe Africa, I merged it and made her hashtag Giraffrica. Everybody she knows calls her Giraffrica Jen. Anybody who had anything related to giraffes sent her pictures, sent her jewelry. She has two giraffe stickers in her shower, a mama and a baby giraffe, that I found her for $4.99. She was so immersed in this goal and still is. I mean, she achieved the money, and because of COVID, she wasn't able to go yet. But she is so known for that, and she has now inspired so many people. So we set the goal. We did all the research of what it would take to get there, and then she systematically tracked every $500 increment. And she never said, well, it's only one spot. It's only this. It's only that. She understands that this is all like an old wooden roller coaster. It just goes click, click. Click, click, click. And you have to do every click to get to the top of that first hill before you can string the brains out and celebrate with the momentum on the other side. So she's going. And people still send her giraffe stuff. Somebody sent her something yesterday, a little card that says, I appreciate you. And it was a sticker of a little giraffe sticking its tongue out. She got that in the mail yesterday. That's it's too amazing cute. what it's done for her. Well, and she has a fan base, which is wonderful, but she clearly she has got people so in the South we have a term called head up, H-E-T up. You know, it means you're just hot to trot. And she's got yeah. people just so head up about what she's doing, how she's doing it. They're following her. They're engaging with her, and they're probably in some ways replicating her systems and how she's doing it. But, I mean, why not? She sounds like she, and I know who she is. I've been following her. Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, my wife and I were out in Las Vegas. It was probably, you know, maybe two years ago now. And we were going through some big fancy shopping center out there. And there was a store that had probably a six foot tall stuffed giraffe by their front door. And we walked past it and I looked at it and my wife goes, Go ahead. No. And she took my picture with it. <laughs> and she took my picture with the giraffe and we sent it to Jen. No, I did not buy it for her. <laughs> if you thought you were going to haul that thing back on an airplane, i got news for you, bub. That's a no. Yes. I, I, mean, I love coaching people, but I'm not going to buy you a $900 stuffed giraffe. So I took my picture with my arm around it and sent it to Jen, and she was overjoyed because every little cheer – I never know how Jen's day is going or any of my clients, but I love to have those touch points based upon the conversations we've had, my style, and where I know they want to go. And any chance I get to tie in a lesson with a visual or an audio or something, I send it. If, uh, I mean, gosh, we, we got a baby giraffe just over a year ago right after we lost our dog, Super Teddy. We had an opportunity to help name a baby giraffe down at the Virginia Zoo. We submitted his name. This is a visualization exercise. Steve, what do you want? Well, I want to honor Super Teddy by getting a baby giraffe named after him. Great. Submit his name. That's an action. Tell everybody in the world about it. That's another action because the top five suggested names all got 
put into the final vote. So we shared it. We made a small donation. His name made the top five, and the rest of it was up to the universe. There was the daddy giraffe came into the paddock, and five volunteers were standing at the fence with a branch. Each one had one of the top five names on their back. Whichever branch Daddy Giraffe touched first was going to be the name of his son. He picked Teddy. And I bawled my eyes out. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I'm not coughing. I'm crying. That is so sweet. That 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 really is sweet. You see it, you put it into action. You know, some people say you speak it into being. Well, okay. I told myself, all right, Steve, you want to do this. Here's the actions you have to take. You have to share it with the world and be authentic and vulnerable. And then you just have to trust that you've done everything possible to put it in the best light, best chance to happen. After that, it's out of your control. But you just do your best to put yourself in the best spot. And I watched it. We actually made the local TV news after that happened, and they did a wonderful job of sharing how it all happened. And see, you you just said or shared something so, so important. Look, I speak it all the time. I mean, I I live alone. I can talk to the cupboards, and I do. You know, why not? I talk to the refrigerator. <laughs> There's nobody there to talk back to me. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, but I do speak what I want out. I do it in my car. I have, I'm going to call him my guiding angel. His name is Jeeves. He travels with me. I do not. Mm put the key in my ignition without saying, okay, Jeeves, we're going to go here, there, and yonder, and I would like to remain free of any attention from the local constabulary for any reason. I'm always very clear on that. (laughs) I would like to, you know, get where I'm going without getting too, too lost because I fight with my navigation system. She is not the boss of me, and I'm directionally impaired like you would not believe. My dog got out of the gate, out of the fence not too long ago, and this girl called me. She said, my dog, your dog is back at my house. I got there once. I couldn't get there the second time. And when I got my dog back, I couldn't get back home. It's two streets over in a neighborhood behind me. I, but I, you know. <laughs> I, I so, shouldn't laugh because I'm laughing at myself here, too. But you see why I always talk with Jeeves, like, Jeeves, you got to come yeah. with me. I cannot do this on my own. And you know what? I always get exactly where I want to go. I get there mostly on time. If I have an appointment, I leave way early because I know I'll get lost. But, you know, I get yeah. I get there. I'm fine. The car didn't break down. I didn't have a flat tire. Nobody, you know, said pull over for whatever reason. Yeah, and that goes way back to when I was a kid and I got pulled over all the time, the things that you never forget about. But, you know, here's the thing. If you have visualized it, and I do, I visualize that I know where I'm going to go, I know what's going to happen, and I know that I'm going to get back home perfectly fine. I don't put the key in the ignition without visualizing what's going to happen, without getting lost. But, you know, that's just part of the process. Yeah, and and that actually plays right into the study that TD Bank did on visualization. Now, this was right around 2010, and what you just said sets this up so perfectly, so thank you. They did a survey of 1,100 individuals and 500 small business owners all across America, and they were talking about visualization. And people who create a vision board, or if it's a little less organized, like maybe a collection of images, photos, whatever the goals are for that company, they felt 
that they were almost twice as confident that they would achieve them as people who didn't visualize or talk about or describe their goals, just kind of say, let's, you know, stay out there doing our thing. The people who actually started to create an image or vision or understanding or story about their goals were almost twice as confident they would achieve them. Now, 67% of the people surveyed believed that having pictures of their goals would improve the odds that they would achieve their goals. And some of the other ones, one in five small business owners actually already use a vision board or some picture or something when they start their business. Now, one in five seems low, but it's actually, I think it's a pretty healthy number. And 76% of those people said that their business today is pretty much where they pictured it to be when they started because they had a plan, they had a desired outcome. They didn't just say, hey, I want to start a business. Let's give it a shot and roll the dice. They actually mapped out what they wanted their business to look like, be like, feel like, succeed like, and be able to navigate their challenges. 82% of small business owners said, uh, 82% that used the vision board from the get-go reported they've already achieved more than half the goals they included on the board. So some people say it's woo-woo. Some people say it's, it's mystical, magical, and glitter in unicorns and rainbows. But it is data-driven that the more precise you are, you're not falling, you're not just tripping into a fountain and gaining some nickels, dimes, and quarters here. You are focused, and you're, you're creating the story in advance, and then you're just executing it chapter by chapter by chapter. Exactly, and I think I, I got, you know, off of my own little route there because I needed to tell you about the local constabulary. But the thing is, you said something so important, and somehow I lost track of it, but you said that you have to take those actions. You have the idea. You have to execute with Super Teddy, with the draft name Teddy. You, yeah, you put it out there to the universe. You dreamt of it. You thought of it, but you actually took action. And I think that's where a lot of people might come up with the whole woo-woo idea. Well, I speak it out loud, or, you know, I put it on a board and I'm looking at it, but are you taking steps? And I think that's, I think, and I don't know this, but being a logical, most days, linear, analytical person, I would think if you're not taking steps to get where you want to be, you just missed a whole bunch of your goal setting. Yeah, well, it's like the people who say, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to win the lottery. And you ask, did you buy a ticket? No, nobody ever wins. Yeah, that's really. That's <laughs> well, we did a survey a couple of years ago with uh, my client base and my my followers and membership, uh, and, and even general public people that were interested in visualization, motivation, vision boards. And we asked them if you've ever even attempted a board, even if you didn't finish it, why do you feel that you struggled with it or didn't get the results you were looking for? And I give credit. For honesty. Now, it was all anonymous and everything. 60% of the people actually admitted it was because they did not take action. I mean, that's big. 47% of people said they weren't clear what they really wanted. 40%, now they could say more than one, which is why the numbers are, are higher than 100. So 60% said a lack of action. 47% said they weren't clear about what they really wanted, which is huge. 40% said they're unable to break their own bad habits that get them stuck in the ruts of not achieving anyway. And 30% said their own self-doubt and their fear derailed them. 
imposter that's syndrome. Massive. Yes. It is. Exactly. That's the biggest thing that we're all affected by it. All of us. I don't care if you're Tony Robbins. I don't care who you are. You will be hit with imposter syndrome at least once a day. It might be a couple minutes. It might be all day. It exists, and we need to pay attention to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's huge, and it's a lot more invasive than people think. As far as they say, oh, I you know I don't feel like an imposter. Well, why aren't you achieving at this level? Well, and they start to say, well, I don't know if I deserve it, or I don't know if I'm smart enough. I mean. I, I I used to get intimidated by people like Tony Robbins. Or, oh, Tony's this oh, and this Tony. and this. Well, guess right. what? I'm not Tony, and Tony's not me. I'm, I'm the best version of myself out there. So what was I so afraid of? Because my clients respond to my style, my stories, my coaching, and my programs. Wonderful. I don't have to be Tony. I just got to be the best version of me every day because I will attract the right clients for me. And we are doing well. Exactly. And I think I shared this with you either on the last episode or in the green room, the virtual green room before, but I've been struggling. I'm going to tell my audiences, be honest about it, but I've been struggling putting a course together for new podcasters. And it's imposter syndrome, 100%. And not too long ago, I found that, you know, I found Listen Notes, which is basically a Google for podcasters. And I realized that I was in the top 5%, 5% globally of the most popular podcast in the world. That was cool. I walked around and patted mm-hmm. myself on the head. Good girl, Denise. Didn't do a darn thing about it. Then not too long ago, I went to 3%. Woohoo! Last week, I went to 2.5%. At that point, mm-hmm. yeah, at that point, I went, what in the heck is wrong with you? You are a subject matter expert get going and I had to have a really serious talk with myself so I'm getting going and I'll be getting gone quick I mean that it's just about done and I'll be launching soon love that and see I'm I'm such a humor based person in everything I do I'm storytelling humor based so I I know right (laughs) so so me and my little inner voice imposter have a special little dialogue I go hey imposter hashtag up yours and I laugh. I'll sit in the mirror. I don't care. And I'll laugh, and I'll just I'll get back going with whatever it is. I'm saying, what was I so afraid of? Why is this one little voice commanding all my attention when the world, in your case, is telling you you're in the top 2.5% in the world? Yeah. Come so on. Put your not? cape on and fly. <laughs> so I was having a, a chat with my a very good friend of mine, and we were having a little mini mastermind together. And I said, I think I'm a subject matter expert. She hung up on me. <laughs> she was. Mm. She, I mean, she she said, I can't even talk to you right now. I'm going to have to go. So she called me back later. She said, I'm sorry, but I was about to rip your full head off. I said, Well, yeah. I was. I got busy doing. I mean, she wasn't mad. She was just like, I can't listen to this. It was right. that. I sounded that stupid. She called me on it. Yeah. Oh, I, I've got people around me now. I used to have people not dare to speak to me like that. So what I did, I got better people. I've got people yeah. who call me out on my BS, and I've got people whose bootprints are deeply embedded in my butt cheeks, <laughs> and I love them for it because, uh, you know, it's funny. I went for a hip x-ray the other day. They said bone density normal, you know, socket alignment normal, and they said basically like, what they said was fleshy area unremarkable. And I went, hey, 
It is remarkable. Part of me. And besides, it's in shape because I get kicked there all the time by people whom I trust to guide me. And I'm like, unremarkable, you're missing some boot prints back there because I have been kicked hard over this past 18 months to get me back on track, back in a good direction. And I love every single person for doing that for me. So I know you feel that way about that person who hung up on you oh, on yeah. purpose so she you could regroup and come back in a better spot. Yeah. And she wasn't being unkind or angry. She was just like, I'm not going to listen to this baloney. I didn't blame yeah. her. I mean, I knew when I said yeah. it, it was BS. So she yeah. just said, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I didn't get mad. I understood exactly what she was doing. So I took myself to the corner and I sat about, you know, sat there and thought about what I had done. And then we spoke again and she said, well, I'm glad you thought about it. Yeah, me too. So that's yep. what's going on. I mean, it's, and this has been in the works forever. I'm ashamed to tell you how long it's been in the works. And I actually have a contrarian view on podcasting. Who would think that? But I do. You know, there's an awful lot of really garbage advice out there right now. It happens with every new industry. And yep. I'm, fixing to, to fight with it. It's like, no, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars and put your wife's car in the driveway and, you know, make a studio out of a garage and you've never had your first, first podcast. I mean, the, the, I'm going to get it. I'm getting all head up. There's a lot of really bad advice out there and I'm fixing to take it on. Yeah. Yeah. I had that exact conversation with somebody just the other day. It was uh, a Zoom call halfway around the world, and we're talking about the people that are out there saying, okay, you need this $1,200 microphone and need to soundproof a room and you need all this. And I go, no, what you need is something to talk into and something that can record and publish it. And that's it. Listen, the first 10 years of this, yeah, and the first 10 years of this podcast, telephone, landline. Now, I've grown up, I use a $19 headset from Amazon. That's it. That's all I'm willing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I say that to people all the time. I said, look, first off, stop getting hung up on color is the right one for your banner on your podcast page and put something on your damn podcast page. Have a conversation. You know, my style is different from everybody else's style. You and I are two friends hanging out on the porch having a conversation, and whoever happens to be camped out on the lawn is just digging it, and we're just here. It doesn't matter that you're on a $19 headset and I'm on my cell phone with some earbuds on a little tiny tripod with a couch pillow behind it. (laughs) I need pictures. I can't can't even see that. (laughs) I'm I'm going to need proof. Because I'm not in the recording studio. I'm up in my office, and I need to just do what I can do to make this setup sound as good as it can. That's all. And you sound terrific. And I don't know how I sound. I'll be honest with you, and I've had people say, oh, my God, you've got the best voice. I don't ever go back and listen to my podcast. You know why? Because every time I hear my own voice, I keep waiting to hear, happy birthday, Mr. President. I think I sound ridiculous. So I don't go listen. (laughs) And, you know, I used to be that way. I used to be so self-deprecating about my early stuff. And when it came up in, say, a memory on Facebook, or if I went back to my oldest podcast or videos, I would look at it and just be so self-deprecating and delete, 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 and just bash myself over it. And then I realized one day, somebody said, oh, my God, Steve, I heard one of your old shows, and then I listened to your newest one. Oh, my 
gosh, you have come so far. And when I took that viewpoint, now when I hear the earliest stuff, I just sit there and say, oh, my gosh, that's adorable. Listen to that. Wow. Because, and I just take that view of it. And I say, if you put macaroni and glitter around the edge of that, my mom would have it hanging on her fridge. That is adorable. And I honor it because I have to have that brick in the foundation to be where I am now. So it's never, and I did a whole article about this this morning. It's never just, oh, it's just one episode. It's just one video. It's just one article. It's just one pound I lost this week at the gym. Oh, it was just this little tiny amount of money towards my goal. Every little step is going to get you somewhere. So stop bashing yourself. Stop belittling your accomplishments. And I'll say it again because it's super important. Stop bashing yourself. Just look at it. And even if it's not perfect, just say, I had to do that to be able to do what I'm doing right now at the level I'm at. Because, and people say to me, Steve, you have, oh, you have a wonderful voice from being on the radio. So, well, you know, it's a damn shame I didn't have this voice when I was on the radio. Because I did. <laughs> I, I spent 10 years in the radio industry, was off air for eight years because I was afraid to put my voice on a microphone. I was a, a rock radio morning show producer off mic for eight years. Oh, wow. And, you know, again, it's imposter syndrome. And I love what you said about perfection. That is nothing but procrastination. There is no such thing mm-hmm. as perfection. Anybody who tells you that is probably drinking. There, it's just not true. <laughs> get, yeah. Get, get yeah. it out I, there. I, I have a... Get it moving. Yeah, I have a weekly show on a radio station that streams from the UK. I'm the only American voice on that radio station. Everyone else is either from somewhere in Europe or Australia or South Africa. And people say, oh, my God, we love your accent. I'm like, really? <laughs> you don't have an accent. That's, I, that's what I say. I, say. I have an accent? I mean, I live an hour north of Boston, but I don't say I pack my car. I'm just so uniquely me. And it's funny when somebody else from somewhere else looks at you and says, oh, my gosh, we love your style, your sound. We just really appreciate it because it's different, it's unique, but it's authentic. And you can do that in whatever you do. Just create written on video, visual, and with your voice. Create the most authentic version of yourself, and you're going to start to hear from people. I, I've got a magazine editor that I write for. Uh, his name is Brian K. Wright, Success Profiles Magazine. He's been my guest. And Brian has? Brian has? Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Well, I've written 44 uh, articles in a row for his magazine. And right around May of 2019, I was part of a writing challenge. And that month, he sent me a message. He goes, bro. I don't know what changed, but I just read this month's article and I heard your voice speaking it to me. And when you can reach that, you're going somewhere. Exactly. That's it. And listen, you know, the people that you listen to the most are people who resonate with you the most, whether you're reading them or listening to them on a podcast or a TV show, you will hear their voice in your head. You will hear them speaking, whatever it is that you're thinking. Like for me, I like Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood can say anything, you know, Yeah. why not? Yep. I mean, he has been around yep. forever and ever and ever, and I hope he stays that way. I love the way he talks. I just do. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and one of my favorite authors and speakers is Larry Wingate. And oh, God. Larry from Oklahoma. I love Larry. Yeah. That's right. We had that conversation. Well, early we on, Larry allowed someone else to voice the audio version of one of his books, and I will yeah. not listen to it. I won't either. And I told him that. I've got everything but that one. It's not you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I listened to it, and, you know, every once in a while, if I do something wrong, I'm like, oh, I can hear Lori's voice right now. How'd that work out for you, dumbass? <laughs> One of my laugh, and then I get back on track. (laughs) I know one of my favorite books, and I have all of them. Is your kids are your own fault? But because I know Larry so well, and he's been my guest so often, I will always incorrectly title it "Your Kids Are Your Own Damn Fault." Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you it was. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. Maybe his publishing house wouldn't allow it. Yeah, he's just so authentically, genuinely him. And I mean, I've I've invested, I invested, gosh, back in December of 2012, in a full day immersion with Larry and with Joe Calloway as well. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, all these years you later, you know, eight and a half years later, I, I love them both, and they've oh, yeah. they still inspire me so much because they would always say, "What sets you apart? What makes you unique? Don't give me that crap that everybody else says." How would you say it? And that still today resonates for me, eight and a half years after the event. It's so important. And remember when I first spoke with you and invited you to come on my show, and I said you were going to be in good company? I didn't lie to you. Yeah. And, and I am, I mean, I'm honored to be asked to be on a show, but when I find out who came before me were all my heroes, that that hits me real, real hard in the gratitude. It truly does. And I wanted to talk with him. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that is on my now restored list of things to ask you about is the power of gratitude. And I think we've talked about that a bit, but I'd like to really kind of dig into it because with action, gratitude comes before it, during it, and after. So you can't really take action, I don't think. Unless you've got some gratitude for what is coming your way. Yeah, it's a big part of what I call the momentum game. You know, it's I tried this. Okay, maybe it wasn't perfect, but I did get this out of it. So every morning, pen to paper, I write my three favorite moments from the previous day. Now, tomorrow morning, this conversation is going to be number one. Pep-pep. Because it's just going to be. And <laughs> I know where you're going. I, I mean, I had... I had somebody this morning, yeah, PepCac for sure. I had somebody actually this morning, one of my vision board coaching clients was going camping with her husband and their kids. Well, they left last night. They made it halfway through the night. It is torrentially raining up here in New England right now, and it's supposed to for the whole weekend. One of their tents collapsed. Her poor daughter was sleeping in a puddle. They got soaked. They got all muddy, and they came home early this morning, and they were so bummed out. And I sent her a message, and I said, Jen, different Jen. I said, Jen, I know you keep gratitude. She keeps gratitude jars, and she has hundreds of little tiny slips of paper in those jars. I said, I predict this is going to be in your gratitude jar that you're going to open and read next January, and you're going to be so thankful for something amidst this muddy, rainy, cold, dreary weekend. Something. And she said, you know, we did make s'mores last night, and that was good. Oh. And then she said, 
we, oh my gosh, it was before it started raining, we got to see all these dragonflies, I mean, uh, fireflies. They were all over the place, and my kids had never seen fireflies. And she said, we all had this saying, hey, light up your butt. And, and then the lights would come out. And so she wrote that on a gratitude slip, and I know I'm going to get a call from her next January when she opens these up. And she's going to remember the light up your butt camping trip. Exactly. That's the power of gratitude. And, you know, and that brings me back to one hurricane. I live, we have hurricanes. We had four last year. Years ago, and I, I don't even know how long ago it was or even which hurricane it was, but my house was literally in the eye of the hurricane. I lived on a lake. The lake was churning, everything. I mean, trees were bending. They were breaking. It was We couldn't go anywhere because, you know, there was no place to go, to be honest with you. They're just... The highways were clogged. You couldn't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, it went dead silent. And I mean dead silent. You could hear your own the blood in your veins thrumming. You could hear your heartbeat. You could hear everything. I went outside, and I stood out there in the eye of this hurricane. There was nothing, no birds, no crickets, nothing but my own heartbeat. It was amazing. I've never forgotten it. Yeah, and see, I love moments like that. And most people would think, you know, run for the basement, this, this, this. But you took that moment to just see it, the beauty of it, and and just you got to be a part of it, which is amazing. Immersion in anything is incredible. And that's how, and and that takes me back to visualizing. You do have to kind of immerse yourself in what your – I don't know if dreams is, is the right word. What it is that you're visualizing is not really a dream. How would, how would you describe that? But you have to really go deep into it. Let's, look, I wanted at one point, I had a Mercedes. Didn't like it. Who doesn't like a Mercedes? I didn't like it. I wanted a Range Rover. I knew precisely because I dreamt it. I wrote it down. I had in my head, it was real. It's in my garage. I got everything I wanted. Yeah. And, and I've worked with people on green cars. I, I've got a coaching client uh, named Emily, and her husband wanted to buy himself a brand-new pickup truck this year, a big one. Now, she has her regular business and her side hustle. And her side hustle is how she met me doing the vision board work. She says, well, my husband is looking for a truck this year. I said, okay, what make, what model, uh, what manufacturer? And what year and what color? And she named them all. I said, okay, find a dealership that has one. Go there on a day that the dealership is closed because you do not want to be the shark. Uh, right. The shark swallowing you around the parking lot with the Jaws music like I always say when I go to a dealership. I said, find the one that – and you watch his face when he sees it. And have him sit in front of it and give his most badass truck face. We call it hashtag truck face. His biggest <laughs> smile in front of this badass grill on the front of this truck. And they took that picture. It's on their fridge. It's in his current work truck. They printed it, put it up in the visor. They said, when he has the chance, go for a test drive and sit behind him, because it's got the back seat and the, and the four doors in the cab. So sit behind him, put your camera over his shoulder, and film him while he's driving with his hands on the wheel, and so you can catch the back of his head to know that it's him. And either put on your favorite music, or turn off the music so you can hear the deep rumble of the engine. So now just watch that over and over and actually feel the feelings. Don't just wish for it. 
go actually be a part of the experience and create the experience as best you can. And then pay attention to it and tap into that every day. And then with your head up on a swivel, you're going to see opportunities to maybe make a little more money. Get the best deal. Maybe somebody knows somebody who's a sales rep at a dealership that has that truck and you have that good connection, no like and trust, where you can go there and get the best deal. Don't just wish for it and keep opening your garage door every day to see if it's there. That doesn't work. No, you have to get in it. You really do. I went yeah. to Auto Trader and I found exactly – I don't like to buy new – I like to buy one that's coming off lease, two years old, former owner had all the problems. And, it, you know, the depreciation is not as god-awful as it would be. I found exactly the vehicle I wanted in Texas, and it was brought to me from mm-hmm. Texas. I love that car. But I knew precisely what I wanted. I also knew what I wasn't willing to accept. Yeah, and that's an important one, too, is, is to know if it's not going to work, have the guts to draw the line and say no. And don't be always worried about disappointing other people. Your house, your rules. Set up and enforce them. And and you just mentioned opportunities. That was another question I had for you because once you are aware that, you know, what it is, whether it's a car or it's a house or I don't know. I ran into somebody the other day who was looking for a ragdoll kit and I happened to know exactly where she can find ragdolls. She didn't. I did. So now she's gone and put a deposit down on a rag doll. But opportunities, unless you know what it is that you're looking for, that you want, that you're going to create, that you're going to take action to have happen, now the next step is to look for those opportunities. So what does that look like? I can give you the perfect story for that. The house that my wife, Tina, and I are living in right now, a little over three years ago, I called up one of my vision board clients who's a local real estate agent, and I said, look, Tina and I are looking for a house. We're going to be the easiest clients you've ever had. We'll tell you when, you find, when we find the house. You just come and help us with the paperwork. Great. Mm. We, spent one, we spent about a month online looking, but the problem was a day later, we'd go back and look at again online. It was always under agreement. So we spent one Saturday morning, and we went and looked at three, and within 35 minutes, we said no to all three, and we're sitting off the side of a dirt road near a small lake where I'd grown up spending weekends because my grandparents had a camp there. And Tina said, oh, wait a second. Where's Tracy Lane in this town that we live in? I said, I don't know. And she looks at her phone. She goes, it has a star. Oh, it's an open house. You want to go? Yeah, let's go. We're driving these back roads out into the woods, and she's going, oh, my gosh, we're going to land in Canada. I know it. (laughs) And we get there, and we see this house, and it's beautiful. And it's only on three acres, which means it's not too hard to take care of. Most of it is woods. It's two floors. It's got a a two-car garage. And we walked in, and the gentleman who was the agent said, hey, folks, I'm I'm helping this couple here right now. Feel free to walk around. If you have any questions, go ahead and ask. So we went to the basement, and Tina looked up, and she goes, oh, my gosh, it's got central air, all the ductwork. And she goes, that's on my list of non-negotiables. And she looked at the wall in the basement. And she goes, hey, honey, how come there's two circuit breaker boxes? And I looked, and it said Generac. I said, oh, my gosh, whole house generator. Generator, yep. Which costs about $16,000 to put in. I said, that was one of my non-negotiables. And then we walked around. He was still with the other people. We looked around. Every room we looked at, we said, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. We went to the top floor. I went 
to one way to the room, which is now my office I'm sitting in. She was down in the master bedroom. She goes, hun, come here. I said, where are you? She said, follow my voice. And I walked in. I go, are you in here? She leans out of a doorway and she says, the walk-in closet is so big it has its own window. <laughs> and I just said, this is our house. And we made an offer and a counter offer, and here we are. And, and the funny part is you talked about being geographically challenged earlier. Two weeks later, I had to come meet the home inspector, and I couldn't remember how to get to this house. How embarrassing is that? I'm like, yeah, can you tell me how to get to the house we're about to buy? Because uh, my GPS doesn't even recognize this street because this whole street is only 16 years old. And my GPS is so old, it just lists me as driving through the woods. So I'm like, yeah, uh, home inspector guy, can you tell me how to get to our house? <laughs> but here we are. I'm so glad I'm not alone. But see, that's exactly when I mean, the opportunity, you see it, you know it, you take action. And then those yeah. opportunities, they're waiting for you, I think. You know, opportunities yeah. are not waiting for you to open them up like they're a bad oyster. I mean, you've got to be aware of them, and they're going to open up for you. Yeah, and the funny part was for the couple of months we'd been looking online, we never saw this house. The only reason we saw it was that week the price came down $10,000, and it landed in our range. And that's the only reason it showed up on her phone that morning. You know, there's, these things happen for a reason. I'm a firm believer yeah. in pay attention when something, when you see arrows pointing at you, and they happen all the time, stop. You know, stop and get hit by that arrow. It's trying to tell you something. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to ask you very quickly. We've only got about two more minutes. We're having way too much fun. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we do this every single time. You visualize and you prepare to meet the love of your life. And we were just talking about her, your wife. And you celebrated 14 years recently. You did. So congratulations very recently. Yeah, tell me about that before I let you go. Yeah, so I got divorced in summer of 2004, and so many people go right back into another relationship. You know, it says, you know, I'm single, and then two days later their status on Facebook is, I'm in a relationship, yay. I did not want that. And so I spent about two years really working on myself, who I wanted to be to attract and be attractive to the perfect woman that I wanted to fall in love with for the rest of my life. And I did a lot of work on myself. And in January of 2007, I built that year's vision board and I put pictures of the type of relationship that I wanted to enjoy. Couples walking hand in hand on a beach, standing, standing at the railing of a ship at sunset, just laughing together. And I said, this is the year I'm going to find her. In the first week of June, I wrote down in my journal, I am ready to fall in love. And on June 16th, 2007, I got an email that I almost deleted because I thought it was junk mail, opened it the next day from someone named Tina, who it turned out was a girl I'd gone to high school with, who I hadn't seen or spoken to in 21 years, on whom I had a crush in high school but never had the guts to ask out. She sent me an email from 1,300 miles away. She was in Florida at the time, and it just said, hey, I saw your name on Classmates, and I Googled you. Are you really Shy Steve, now you're on the shy radio. Steve? You're a motivational speaker in high school. Oh, shy and oh, quiet. God. No confidence. 
said, are you really a motivational speaker now and you do stand-up comedy and you're a DJ and you were on the radio? And I said, yeah. Oh, well, let's, hey, let's keep in touch. And without so much as a picture of her, she had zero social media footprint. For a month of texting, emails, and phone calls, every feeling I had for her in high school came back 10 times stronger. And a month later, she admitted she'd had the same feeling in high school. She didn't say a word either, and we've been together ever since. So she was part of your journey. Yeah. Yeah, and when the timing was right, and I I still tell her to this day, I said, honey, if you ever end our relationship, just understand in advance you are going to destroy my speaking career because that's everybody's favorite story. Well, yeah. Tell her she she can't. <laughs> she just she has she does not have permission to do anything even close to that. So that'll tell her. Yeah, well, tell her I she said. rolls her eyes and she goes, "Well, I guess that's up to you, isn't it?" And she laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> you guys sound perfect together. We are. Good. I am so happy for you. I mean, I would rather be hit by a beer truck twice and get married again. But you know, some people are good at it. Some people are not. I'm not, yeah. but I'm I'm always yeah. really excited to hear stories like this because, you know, not everybody wants or needs to be alone. Some people right. do, some people don't. Yeah, and some people are just desperately afraid to be alone because their their monsters come out when they're alone and they don't oh. honor themselves out. And that's why I wanted to become the best version of me first and not just jump into a, a relationship and Everything I did, as much as I fought it or was scared by it at the time during those couple of dark years, everything worked because I was patient and I kept my eyes on the goals I wanted. And I had to honor myself in the journey as well so I, that I could right. then honor her. And were you doing vision boards at that time? Because that was 14 years ago. Or is the I work that you're doing now kind of an offshoot of it? It is. And, and people say, so, Steve, did you get certified in this? Nope. Did you get coached? Nope. How'd you do it? I screwed it up. And then I made it better. And then I made it better. And when things really started to ramp up and I was just goal after goal after goal and, and getting that machine rolling, people said, Steve, how do you do it? Can you teach me? And I started to do live events open to the public, which I hope to never do again because the dedication is just not there started doing it within companies, and then people said, hey, Steve, uh, I can't hire you to come in because I'm just a solo. Is there a way you could teach individuals? And that's when the Vision Board Mastery Program got created. And I love it. I think I mentioned earlier at the the top of the – I'm going to start stuttering now – at the top of the show that I'm in the middle of it. It's – everybody listen. If you are paying attention to what Steve is saying and what I'm interrupting – Go find that course. And, Steve, where can people find your course? Where can they find you? Nice and easy. It's all at motivationalfirewood.com. And there's a free webinar there to explain for people that want to know what visualization is even about. And the programs and some of my other stuff is under the products tab on the same page. But motivationalfirewood.com. Where did motivational firewood come from? What does that mean? And we're late, and Mm -hmm. I know we're late, but we're still – recording we're not streaming but i've got to know okay yeah very early in my speaking career of course you know i'm going to be a motivational speaker because i just want to help people well that's the most vanilla statement in the world because we all say that and i went to a national speakers association meeting of new england down near boston 
and this had to be around 2005 or six. I was just getting started. And it was my first time going there. I was a visitor, so I had that little blue name badge that just says Steve with nothing else on it. And a gentleman named Don said, oh, Steve, hey, great to have you with us. What is it that you speak on? I said, well, I want to be a motivational speaker. He said, why? I said, because I want to help people. He said, well, okay, we all want to help people. What makes you different? And he was so gracious with his time. It's about three to five minute conversation. And finally, I threw my hands up and I said, Don, this is it. If people are coming to hear me speak, they've got a spark of hope or something they want in their lives. If I share a story, an example, a lesson, and they add it to their spark, they create fire. I said, I'm kind of like, I don't know, a piece of motivational firewood. And he just looked at me and he goes, do you know anything about trademarks? And I said, uh, no. And he said, that's real. It's different. It's unique. He says, but you know the best part? I just watched your face light up when you just explained that. He said, young man, take that and run with it. And he goes, I really like it. And I've been the motivational firewood guy ever since. Matter of fact, I just renewed the trademark about six weeks ago. I love that. Do you know how I became Knitter in Stilettos? I would love to hear it. Something pretty similar. Um, and it's po- I, Listen, I meet the darndest people, the neatest people in the world on this podcast. And I had this guest on. His name is Steve Rohr. And we were chatting, and he said, well, Denise, what is it that you do? Because he has a conversational podcast. I'm trying not to make too many mistakes as I go, but we're mostly just chatting. And I said, you know, honestly, I'm a web developer. I own a small digital marketing agency. I'm really just a nerd in stilettos. And he said, whoa, 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 say that again slowly. I said, I don't know. I'm a nerd in stilettos. You ought to see my closet. It looks like Nordstrom's threw up in there. And he said basically the same. <laughs> it's a true story. It's pathetic. If this house ever catches on fire, I'm heading for that closet. I'm hauling everything out. But but the thing is, he said to me, you have got to brand yourself as a nerd in stilettos. Here's the thing, Steve. When the publicist for the Academy Awards tells you to do something, you go do it. Mm-hmm. So we love both have great that. Stories. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And I mean this was years ago and I'm still the nerd in stilettos and right now I'm barefoot, but you really you ought to see my closet. It's embarrassing. Steve, it has been <laughs> it's real I go in there and go, you know, that used to be money. What the heck? <laughs> but anyway, it's in there. So thank you. It is as always, it's just been wonderful speaking with you and I love your stories and I love your enthusiasm and I really hope that people take us serious. I mean, we've been joking and laughing and having a good time, but we're both dead serious about this and I hope that the audience does pay attention and says, you know what, they can do it by golly, I can too. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes, honestly, anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. Just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Steve, thank you so much. Absolutely a pleasure, and thank you so much for inviting me back. I look forward to our next conversation, wherever that's going to be, because I know we're going to have one. Oh, yeah, we will. It'll it'll happen. (laughs) Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 